Hello, everybody, and indeed, welcome to another edition of Hoosier Hometown Heroes. I'm your host and navigator, Tony Val, and this is episode 11. Today, my guest is Brian Wheeler of Legacy. Brian has built quite an interesting practice, and I think if I could sum it all up succinctly, I think this interview is a good and simple reminder for us all that as we are trying to build our careers, our businesses, find our way professionally, it really all boils down to adding value and filling a need. And let me tell you, when I talk to Brian, I really get the sense that he has focused in with laser vision on this idea of finding a need and filling it and adding value. And sometimes it's easy to overcomplicate business. I think Brian has it really nailed. And I had a great conversation with him. I hope you will enjoy it. I feel I need to mention for you Lewis Robert Val fans with his heart of the matter. Uh, Lewis is on hiatus this week. He's been tied up in a uh, very taxing and aggressive first grader project on Penguin Research. I've been able to assist Lewis a little bit, and it's been super fun. And uh, he has definitely taught the Val family a lot about the erect crested penguin, which I never knew existed. And uh, that's been super fun. Before we get to my interview with Brian, I must thank our sponsors, of course. Prometheus Consulting is Indy's choice for trusted IT consulting and support. We support computer networks in Indianapolis so you can run your business. Reach out today via phone at 317-733-2388 or find us on the web at Prometheus.com. And that's P like Peter, R-O-M like Mary, E-T-H-I-U-S.com. And now please enjoy my interview with Brian Wheeler. Brian Wheeler, welcome to Hoosier Hometown Heroes. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so, Brian, I'm excited to have you, and I feel like we have so much to cover, but here's where I want to start. I want to start with an observation and go from there. So, as I'm sure is the case with you, um, I do tons of business meetings all the time, coffees, lunches, you know, over and over. Mm-hmm. And to be totally honest, Sometimes it just feels like one bleeds into the next and it just feels like we're on autopilot. I I will share that when I met you for the first time, about five minutes into our conversation, I found myself super excited about you and what you're doing with Legacy. Hmm. And uh, what's kind of curious is I actually noticed, I made a little mental note. I said, my gosh, I'm sitting here just excited about what you're what you're doing and I think part of the story there is I think you probably have you have this energy and a gift to you're you're a doer I get the impression we'll we'll dig in um but I think a just a good place to start to help our listeners wrap their minds around who you are and what you do let's just start with what is legacy you're the CEO of legacy and so walk me down the path what what is it that you do sure so uh 
our core business is wealth management and financial planning, and we primarily serve physicians and dentists. And over the years, we've, we've developed the model to be kind of a concierge-level experience, if you will. So we, we take this approach of do what you're great at and delegate the rest. And that's led into other lines of, of uh, service. So for us, we, I have a desire for our clients to be entrepreneurs and to look at wealth management way outside the box. You know, like most people are just putting money in investments and doing this and that, you know, basic things. Um, but our clients, I like them to be, you know, use their creativity side and, and really dig in and say, like, what are your real deep passions like, you know, that let's get beyond where, where we started. Mm-hmm. And so that led into helping them develop businesses, um, helping young dentists to, to get into that first practice and do a transition. So our team went from um, having a group of, of wealth managers into also a team of consultants that helped them to uh, transition business, to grow business, um, even to start business from scratch and then to grow it. Uh, that's just a big part of it. You can either uh, sit back and passively help people, you know, when yep. they come to you and say, here's yep. my wealth, you know, here's what you do with it. A lot of our clients uh, started out to be young physicians and young dentists. And so when you're sitting back there and, and you, you know, this sits at the table, then, you know, you're like, what do you do with this person? They got a lot of debt yeah, and they don't have a lot of wealth, you know? And so they're thinking, what, what can you do for me? And it became one of those issues of, well, gosh, I don't want to just sit back on the sidelines and wait for them to come one day and say, you know, finally gotten this thing figured out. We'd rather be active participants. Yes. So that, that's you know, what it grew into. You know, as I met with you for the first time and we got to talking about how you help doctors, dentists, uh, veterinarians, and so on and so forth. You know, it, it occurred to me, it's it, they're, they're an interesting breed in that they've had so much education course, because they have to, they, you know, they're mm-hmm. just uh, by the nature of what they do. However, uh, I'm assuming you would know better than I, almost no business education, or certainly that wasn't their focus. That's not how they're wired. That's correct. Yeah, it's rare. I could sit in a room full of 100 of them and say, how many of you have your, your MBA or even a business, you know, background? And it's one, one out of 100. Wow. Uh, the schools aren't really set up to add that, to have that curriculum in there as well. So they really don't get any business training. It's especially um, significant on the dental side because most of them are going to be business owners at some point, and yet they don't really have a lot of business education uh, in undergraduate or especially even in dental school. They just don't have time in the curriculum. I would imagine their education is so daunting and so rigorous that uh, it's got to be very easy for them to say, well, I'll figure out the business part someday. That's right. It is. It's a someday proposition. Hmm. And someday is kind of a dangerous word, right, Tony? You know this one. <laughs> yes. Someday, I'm going to get around to the someday. Someday yeah. is the word that we use to say uh, maybe, right? Or let's let's check that off in a mental box that I don't even have to deal with right now. Sure. And that's what happens a lot of times. It's because they don't have the knowledge or they, they don't even know what they don't know that they just you know, put it off for a long time. Yeah. And it's a, it's a totally different skill set. I've shared with people before, just as a business owner, you know, I'm, I I don't run a medical practice by any means, totally different business. However, what I've noticed is over time, even within the same business, as we've grown over the years, the, the owner, uh, ownership requires a completely different tool set. We've Mm -hmm. had to retool our own skill sets, the owners of Prometheus a few different times. It's Absolutely. fascinating. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've seen that myself. You know, when you, when you start in small business, you, you know, the first skill set, uh, quite honestly, when you're a small business owner is the, the BS skill set, right? <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? Or just, sure. just hey, I've got a base skill set. I'll yeah. learn it as I go. Yeah. Then you start adding people and you go, wow, 
uh, okay, now I got to figure out how to interact with these people and motivate them and, yes. and, uh, and get past just saying, I'm your boss and do this for me, right? You need to get people to feel inspired and to take ownership of what they're doing. It is. I, I've, I, same way. I feel like I've had to remake myself over in our team several times over the last several years and the it, same for our clients. Yeah, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, so let's, let's dive in some more into specifically how you're, how you're helping these professionals. I want to, you know, when you walk into a, a doctor's office, let's say, um, I'm sure your experience would dictate that there are, you are likely to see certain deficiencies or certain problems. Help me understand what those are. Certainly. What are the holes you can fill? Yeah, well, a, a doctor's office isn't much different from a lot of other small business. You know, we, it's, it's all we have a service to offer. We have a client base they call patients, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then, you know, what is that experience like? The biggest lagging thing that I see in, in a lot of offices, whether it's medical or anything else, is, is what is that, that experience like, that patient experience from the, from the time that they get there to the time that they leave? I mean, <clears throat> I'll give you a real quick example, and this, this sums up really what we do. My wife was hanging around with some ladies one day, and they were all talking about you know, girl stuff, and 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 uh, they started talking about their OBGYN office, and 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 uh, one lady was just kind of ragging really bad, and just on on her the office, and saying like, you know, they're just not real friendly there. They're always behind. They're just you know, and all the other ladies were all shaking their head. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's my experience. And then my wife speaks up and says, well, that's not my experience at the office I'm at. You know, it's amazing. They're so warm. It's inviting. And, they, you know, they, they, they offer me something to drink. They're on time. And from the time that I leave, you know, I just it's it's really pleasant. And then they all turn and look at her and they go, who is who your is <laughs> Yeah, who is your OB? That is what uh, legacy is about in terms of growth is helping the, the client to look at that experience and say, how do you make it a wow experience? And what do you do to attract people? Because as you would know, Tony, uh, word of mouth and reputation and that organic growth is way more valuable than a lot of other things. Those other things, uh, they supplement the growth, right? Sure. But if you have all these supplemental things, but you don't have the core, you just kind of implode under that weight of, you know, you're getting these referrals, but it doesn't really amount to much because the experience is, is poor. Do you find that most doctors have no idea what their perception is of the patients, the perception of the experience? Yeah, I do. A lot of times um, they're they're limited to what their interaction is sure. with the patient. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, they're not taught to look at the whole experience that they they don't think of it in those terms. They truly do want to live out that motto of patient first. But it's in just such that microcosm sense of just, you know, working in a silo. And so you're trying to help them take those blinders off and look at the bigger scope and the bigger picture. I would imagine that most of them have no way even to measure what the experience is. They, mm -hmm. uh, do, so where do you, how do you start to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, just look at some basic things. Uh, I can't tell you, when's the last time you got a survey from your uh, doctor's office or your dental office that said, hey, how are we doing these days? <laughs> are, are you enjoying yeah. your experience with us? Uh, would you refer other people to us? When's the last time you had that question posed to you? Right. right. Yeah. Right. It, it's just very rare. The truth is most people fear getting feedback mm -hmm. because they're afraid it's going to reject them. And people hate rejection, right? Sure. I mean, I, I don't know too many people that go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm all about it. Just bring on the rejection. That just, <laughs> that just doesn't happen. And so because of that, that fear of rejection kicks in, and most people just don't ask. And I always tell clients that uh, patients, they vote with their feet and not with their mouth, mm. right? So a lot of times they just leave, and you don't know why. You don't know what happened, and you're not even sure 
what it was exactly that made them vote with their feet in, ten, in, in terms of leaving. Yes. Um, but that's a big one. It's just helping them to understand the different ways to, to start letting people talk directly to you or communicate in different ways to get feedback and to improve. Matter of fact, invite the, the, those, that group of people into the dialogue of what they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. That's a bigger one. Uh, I can be guilty of this. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I know what my clients want. Oh, uh, sure. Right? Of course. Yeah. But, but if I ask them, and they might give me a little bit different answer than what I than I thought it was going to be. They, their 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 fire their issue might be a little bit different than the way I perceived it. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's a big part of part of it is just communication. Yeah, just absolutely. Um, I so I'll share with you. I, I'm curious to hear what your experience is. Uh, of course, in my field of IT, you know, I, I I've walked into countless types of businesses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And something that I did not expect, I expected the opposite, but uh, I find that uh, uh, doctors, um, veterinarians, um, dentists are just some of the nicest people I've ever met. And Mm -hmm. I, I didn't expect that. I don't know why. Is that, I'm assuming that's your experience as well. It is. I, I mean, again, I think most of the people that go into those fields naturally have a, an empathy. Yeah, they want to help. They want to help, right? Yeah. And so you do. You see that over and over. It's very rare that I run into a medical professional of some type that is, you know, not in that vein of, of empathy and wanting to help. Or they're just in it for the money. Like, that's just super rare. It does happen once yeah, in a blue moon, yeah. but you just don't see it very yeah. often. Another thing I've noticed is that uh, while they are very nice, very nice, usually I find they're also um, fairly overwhelmed yeah. <laughs> or kind of a little bit on the brink, you know. That is fair to say. Matter of fact, I think if, if anyone's listening today that that they probably could all shake their head, too, and go, yeah, feel overwhelmed. Life is at running at a breakneck. <laughs> clip these days. I yeah, feel it like. is. And a lot of people no feel doubt. overwhelmed. No doubt. Uh, my guest is Brian Wheeler. Uh, he is the CEO of Legacy. Uh, you can find out more at LegacyPractice.com. Uh, the phone number is 317-456-5444. Um, so I'm going to talk energy, Brian, okay. because I think, uh, again, getting back to when I first met you, um, I was really struck by, I found myself sitting there saying, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Mm. And I still don't know if you have just been a master at kind of finding a niche that clearly um, is, is probably underserved, mm. or if, if you're just so good with words. I don't know what it is, but I just found, I, you ex- when you explained what you do, I said, oh my gosh, there's a no-brainer. Mm. Um, and you're a high energy guy. Are, tell me more about, are, are, do you see yourself as a driven person or do you think other people perceive you that way? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for saying that. That's kind <laughs> of, I, I am, I'm a pretty driven person. Um, yeah. but in the sense that I feel like that life is meant to be lived out like an adventure. Yeah. You know? Like I like a good movie, don't you? Yeah, A sure. good action movie. And the reason I really like them is because it draws me into that's what life's about. It's about, you know, living with passion and, and adventure and a sense of purpose. Yes. And so, yeah, I've just I've kind of been that way a long time. And the more I read, the more I study, the more I become a student of life, the more I realize that how true that is, how part of the key to 
living fully and adventurous is, is you know, kind of keeping that mindset. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't get up too many days and think like, well, you know, I'll phone gonna, it, phone it in today. Yeah, phone it in. Or we're just going <laughs> to, we're just going to go through the motions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. I've, I've been tinkering with the idea these days as, as I get toward the back nine of my career, sadly, you know, I've been tinkering with the idea of, um, life is too short. Mm-hmm. And even in my business dealings, I'm going to make a concerted effort to interact as much as I, as I can with people that I truly like. Absolutely. I have found that to be very liberating mm-hmm. and, uh, um, you know, because life is too short. Um, do you, is there a certain kind of personality type in a potential client for you that is just not going to work out? Maybe, oh, maybe yeah. those, maybe those, you mentioned ones that are in it just for the money. Yeah. Maybe that's not I, a good um, fit. Our planners, one of the key questions that we like to ask, which, which people take, you know, as a, this is a silly question, um, but when we're doing um, fact-finding and interviewing, you know, it, it, relationships are two-way street. And I think the same way yeah. it should go for business. Like you said, it's, life's too short. So yeah. um, our planners are trained to actually interview the person they're with to make it a two-way street to say, is this person a good fit for us? Because, again, like we don't want to mess with people that their mindsets are so far off from us that, you know, we're probably going to drive them crazy, right? I mean, right. Um, or vice versa. Or vice versa, yeah. right? So I always like to ask people, um, tell me, tell me if you were going to go buy the big house, you know, like you're going to go, this is the house you're going to live in for the next, you know, 20 years. How much money would that be in like in our market? And I'm always fascinated by that answer because mm. it's amazing to see what different people can think is a lot of money or a big spend. Mm. It's also very indicative of their mindset and their lifestyle. So I can get some people that can look me straight in the face and be like, man, if I spent, dare I say it, if I spent $400,000 on a house, that would be like ludicrous, you know? Yeah. And, and to some people that would be ludicrous to others, they would go, Oh, that's, that's a starter house. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, and then you could, I can get people on the other end of the spectrum. They'd be like, Two to three million dollars. Two to three million dollars. That's that's the big house. Yeah. And I start getting nervous when I hear those kind of answers. Not that there's anything wrong with having a big house, but um, usually again, they're 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 starting to show me that usually two three million dollar house also means two to you know all the other trappings of life that go with it. Absolutely. And the mindset is such that I'm chasing after my happiness in the sense of the dollar. Mm-hmm. And you and I have been again doing this for a while. So I know you get this when I say this, but money doesn't bring happiness, right? Got uh, that know. right. So uh, that that's probably the big one for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh that's fascinating. And I think that's a good segue into a a, a little uh side road I want to take that I think might bear some interesting fruit. Um you're from a f- small town in Kentucky. Yes. Tell me more about about your beginnings and where you grew up. Wow. Brian's origin story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a, a little area, the school that I was at called Russell. Uh, we were the Red Devils. Yep. That was controversial. We we're right in the middle of the Bible Belt there. Oh, you know, interesting. That was, that's the school mascot. Um, my, my, both my brothers and my mom and dad all live in, in Flatwoods, Kentucky. I mean, okay. the population small. 
Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is from there. That's our claim to fame. No kidding. No joke, right? So we have a Billy Ray Cyrus Boulevard. It was the renaming of one of the streets. And life is, you know, I mean, in Kentucky, people make fun of Kentucky all the time, but it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's simpler. Uh, it's you know, we've got rolling hills where here everything is cornfields. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, roads straight as a board drives me crazy. I hate driving anymore. I used to love to drive with the with the yeah. turns and the hills. But yeah, that's that's the way I grew up. It was simple life. It was um, good moral people with you know middle income and um, again, there's just so many differences I see in in the way that I grew up. And, but but in the way that a lot of people live life now. But but they also made me who I am. They helped me to, to appreciate you know just the smaller things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, my my dad was a hard worker and um, but my parents always empowered me. But they didn't hand me a trophy every time I just participated in something. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's my upbringing. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, well, I I started this this show really as an homage to uh, my respect and love just for the Midwestern magic, you know, work mm-hmm. ethic. I don't know even how to pinpoint it, but. Um, and it's interesting, you know, as you talked about Kentucky a little bit, there's, and I see this with, with Hoosiers all the time. We, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but you downplay, you know, you, you know, people like in Indiana, um, when I first moved here from Chicago, people were apologizing to me. I'm so mm. once they found out I came from Chicago, oh, I'm mm. so sorry. You know, and my feeling, especially after now having lived here 20 years and um, is uh, no, 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 you have it all. It's you have it backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where the magic is. Absolutely. Um, and and, you know, here we sit in Indianapolis and, you know, I would argue that as you get further away, even from this city, you know, into the into the hills and the woods and the it's it's magical. It can be magical and nothing to uh, nothing to apologize for, and certainly something to celebrate. And it feels like it's we're losing it yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You know, absolutely great place to raise the kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never gonna look back and be like, man, I wish I had raised my kids in a you know in a number two size city, you know, yeah, or a, a New York or Chicago or right. Yeah, this is. Um, there, there is something special about, I think, the the natural value set that comes from from these types of communities. They're, they're tighter knit still. And you're right. I think there's a loss of that. I mean, you, you don't see too many houses with the big front porches anymore and you know the neighbors sitting out waving each other. Right. I think part of that goes back to the speed of life that we're all attempting to live. Um, we need to build more margin back into our lives. And that's, that's part of the magic sauce, right, is, mm-hmm. is that margin and that uh, people doing life with one another in small community. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I will, I will take this place hands down to just about anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. Uh, another thing about a small town, and I guess I'll share with you maybe my fascination, the reason for my fascination. So I did not grow up in a small town. I grew up in uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. the antithesis of a small town. Right. However... I was raised by uh, two very successful parents that came from a small town, small towns. My mom grew up uh, on a farm in Hope, Indiana. Dad grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, 
his his dad, my grandpa, was a school teacher. His mom was a hairdresser. And as I grew up, I became really fascinated with with uh, especially as we visited all our family members in Indi. Usually, it was in Indiana. Um, I became fascinated with solving the riddle of how did my parents start here mm-hmm. and end up where they are, mm. and uh, which was you never would have guessed. Oh, okay, he grew up in Terre Haute, she grew up in Hope, Indiana. Never would have guessed it. Um, I've I have this little working uh, thesis or suspicion or something that actually. Um, small towns and I'll, I'll call it uh, humble beginnings mm-hmm. I don't mean anything disparaging it just grounded you know just simple That's simpler right. yep. um, is actually a huge advantage I meet people all the time well t- I've, I've told people several times when I'm interviewing someone and I find out they grew, grew up on a farm that's an instant uh, uh, extra credit for them yeah absolutely now I know you are. You've been entrepreneurial. Your first business was at 16 years old, correct? That's right. Yeah. And so, tell me, tell me about that. And do you think part of the beginnings of that is you were in an environment where you could get away with it? It's just more of a bootstrap type environment. Yeah. Well, uh, so I went to a, a seminar late, a, a little while ago, and the word that they used that, that made me think of this that it describes it as grit. Yeah when you grow up in a small town or on a farm, especially you grow up with a sense of grit that uh, bootstrapping that, you know, Hey, you need to go out there. You need to build some character. You you need to grow something. You need to do something. And, uh, yeah. So I, from the time that I was 12, I think I was mowing lawns with my brother. Um, but it wasn't just, you know, go mow a lawn and you're done. Like we were, we were mowing lawns over the weekend. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. And so when I was 16, again, that entrepreneurial spirit had been bred into me by my family. My mom comes from a really long line of entrepreneurs and small community. And so when I was 16, there was no thought in my head that, well, I can't start a business because I'm not an adult yet. It was just, oh, I have an idea. So therefore I should do. And so I started a pressure washing company. Yes. And uh, it only took me about four or five months, and I had two employees, both my buddies, of course. Sure. It's cool. But, oh, of course. But that was my first foray into business and actually, you know, managing people. Uh, by the mid, mid-17, my, my senior year, I, I had a lady that asked me to, to paint her house, and it was like two and a half stories. So I'm like, what? what person, you know, an adult allows a 17 year old to paint their house? I don't know, but it's crazy. But I, I actually had convinced my older brother that I could do this. And so I, cause he had a larger business by then and we rented this big boom crane, you know, those things that are oh outriggers. And so I, I, as a 17 year old, we were up, you know, cause they had like dormer windows that are like set way back and I couldn't get to sure. them. So we had a crane out in this lady's front yard. I look back at that and I go, what in the world? You know, what's a 17-year-old doing with that kind of equipment out in somebody's yeah. yard? But, you know, we, we pulled it off, and, and that's just kind of always the way it is. And in small communities, you just see more of that. People don't put limiters, limiters on people and say, well, you're a child, therefore you can. Matter of fact, I mean, in small communities and farms, like you see kids on tractors, you know, you, oh, see, you see kids doing things that, again, in, in kind of the, the higher uh, cities like Chicago and things where they would, again, say, you're not old enough or you're not uh, mature enough or, or whatever. But those kids haven't been given opportunities to, to prove out their intellect and to prove out their ability and their capabilities. And 
that grit level doesn't really get developed as much, I think, naturally. It comes, right, through business and things, but, man, in small communities as a child, it, it's just, it's baked in. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about the pressure washing business. As luck would have it, this is totally random. I, I heard, uh, I was listening to a, a, a talk by some entrepreneur, I'll say this month or two ago, and he was talking about, my gosh, people could, it's so easy to start a business. To, it's not rocket science. And he, he says, there are any number of ideas. He says, for example, buy a pressure washer. You do X, Y, Z. Yep. Uh, I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, how serious were you on the sales side of pressure washing? Were you going door to door? How, how hard oh. did you hit the pavement? Oh, Tony, I was, <laughs> I, I love, that was the part that I, I love the most. I yeah. did, uh, you know, again, I, I learned very early about delegation. So I did the pressure washing myself for a little while and then realized, you know, I actually don't like sitting here getting soaked <laughs> for hours. So that's when I hired my buddy and he was glad, you know, to be yeah, making sure. some money and, and, and working. And so I moved on to the area that I was good at, which was talking with people and selling them things. So I was, I don't know if you'd use the word underhanded, but I was a direct salesman. So <laughs> what I would do is I'd knock on the door and it would usually be a stay at home mom. And I would say, Hey, I noticed your deck on the back there. It's it's you know pretty dirty. I could make it look brand new, and she'd be like, "Oh, you know, I don't know." And I'd say, "Well, can I show you?" And she'd say, "Yeah." And I always kept the pressure washer in the back of my pickup truck, so I'm just back up there. And I said, "Do you mind?" I'd get permission. Do you mind if I clean these two steps right here? And she said, "Oh yeah, sure." So I'd clean those two steps and say, "You know, what do you think?" She'd go, "Wow, it's amazing. It looks brand new." And I say, okay, well, you know, I can clean the rest of the deck for X, Y, Z. And she's like, okay, well, let me think about it. And I start to drive off and she go, well, wait a second. Where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> Those two steps look right. amazing, but my, it I makes the rest of the deck look like crap. I hear you. You know, exactly. and I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. Well, okay. So, you know, give me a call whenever you're ready to get it clean. And of course she had no choice at that point. So she, she couldn't stand it that she had two clean steps and the rest of the deck now that looked terrible. That is so perfect. Yeah, it was bad. And then, and then of course, then once you've got one deck clean and you've got neighbors with dirty decks, it was a domino effect, right? It was just, Hey, look at the neighbor's deck, you know? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know? So, and then I would start the same example over, let me show you what I showed her and then, you know, strip the step down and then she'd mm -hmm. be like, Oh, that's amazing. It was just all day long. You know, I, I've become, I don't know about you, but I've become a little bit alarmed by, um, <laughs> it's one thing to have societal barriers or, or, or norms that are barriers to children sort of, uh, exercising their entrepreneurial muscles. But it seems to me like legally that we're starting to handcuff kids' abilities to, to um, have entrepreneurial experiences. Do you, do you see that, or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I can't honestly speak so much on the, on the legal, legal side of it. Yeah. I, 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 I don't have a lot of um, I don't have a lot of input there, Tony, honestly. I, but the part that I do see is just even, again, our smaller communities – I, you know, I've got my own set of kids. Yeah. And um, six, right? Six. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, we're busy. And so, <laughs> as much as I want to pass on that entrepreneurial spirit, I also don't want to be the dad that says, This is the way I was, so this is the way you're going to be. So, I, you know, I push things yeah. on them. Yeah. But I encourage and I, and I try to get them there. But I do think uh, with all of the distractions that our kids have today and all the other things, it is, it is just more difficult anyway to Absolutely. get them to be thinking that direction. Um, at least that's what I found in my household. I, I don't know if any other parents can empathize no, I, with that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. I think you're, I think you're spot on for sure. For sure. Um, getting back to your, to your clients for a minute. 
coming full circle um, from an entrepreneurial perspective, I would assume that uh, many of them can feel handcuffed before they work with you. Do, do you find that uh, doctors and veterinarians and so forth can get into this period of their career where they, they, they want to leave uh, a, a legacy for their kids? Um, they have, you know, you talked about living, life is to be lived. They, they want to do things with their life, but they've got this um, monster in a way, in a certain way of, yep. of an enterprise. Um, do you see that a lot? And oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, again, it's that, uh, that plateau effect that happens to, yeah. to us all at times, right? You get into this rut, and, and, and the rut almost seems to dictate the direction of your life, and you're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to move this. It's like, a, it's like a super tanker, you know? Sure. And, and trying to move the direction of that ship in a different way is with that tiny rudder seems, you know, like it's, it's a monumentous task. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that... Quite honestly, even though it's it's real, it is real. Like you know, we we've got all these responsibilities and this and this, you know, this thing that we run. But the bigger hurdle is is actually the mental barrier. It's the thing that we play, the limiter that we put on ourselves. Uh-huh. It's the I couldn't possibly do those things because I've never done them before or because this this is just the way my life has been running. And um, you know, honestly, so we've been working on you know leadership training, right? That's our new thing is leadership development. I'm getting really super stoked about this because I think if we keep starting to train people about being leaders and they start getting some concepts down, then it starts to make a paradigm shift in the way that they operate, which includes some of the things that you're talking about, which is you know you, what you're. I would refine that as they're stuck in the box. Yeah. And there's that old saying that people say, "Think outside the box." And I, I want to take this to the next level and say, Tony. There is no box. Forget the box. Interesting. Just there's no box. The the box that's there we place on ourselves. Truly. Yeah. And so when we start talking to potential clients or clients about these types of things, about you know having other interests or other passions or things that they want to do, but they got this monster on their back, we start working through you know the emotional side and 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 just the thinking through this thing. And saying like, and getting them to the place of going, oh, okay, you know, maybe I've been placing all these limiters on myself, so maybe part of the the uh, solution is I need to start equipping others to lead around me instead of this all falling on me, right? How many times have we done that? Have you sure. done that? Oh yeah. It all falls on me. Yeah. If I don't do it, no one's gonna do it. Well, yes. again, we've created that. So if we create good leaders and teach them how to equip others, then that load starts coming off of them. And they can actually run their business without having to daily run their business and re- rely on the rest of the team, you know, uh, building a team ownership mentality. I mean, again, you probably see this in your own business. When you start building that ownership culture in your, in your business and in your practice, um, they start taking on loads of responsibility that you previously had. And matter of fact, they start coming up with ideas and things that you couldn't have thought about. And a lot of times those are fantastic ideas. We just don't entertain them because it doesn't fit inside the box. And But when we equip them to do that, then suddenly the load starts to lighten. Suddenly you start thinking bigger. Um, gosh, I can't tell you how many stories I've read, you, probably the same way about people that accomplished amazing things and it all started with an idea that they were just so compelled that it could happen one day if they just worked towards it. Mm, sure. And that's the way... That's the way I see a lot of these things with with our client base is just helping them to say, what is your biggest, most audacious passion and dream that you want to achieve? No, let's get there. Let's just start today. Let's stop 
thinking about someday, right? The yeah. lie that we tell ourselves and others, and let's just start doing. Yes. I, I think there's probably, there's got to be an irony in here somewhere because I would imagine most of these people have spent much of their lives saying, I have a dream and it's to become a doctor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they get there and they have spent years thinking that's the finish line. Right. That's the pinnacle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's not the case. Oh, yep. life is so cruel sometimes. It is. Well, again, that goes back. We, we talked about this earlier just on a blip, but that feels like that's that sense of achievement or that sense of happiness. But really, the, the, getting the doctorate is the tool, right? It's, sure. it's their uh, way to drive the wealth engine, their way to do productive work, and it's their, you know find some meaning. But it's got to go way beyond that, yeah. right? It's it's kind of like okay, you've you've hit the start button now. You've you've got your doctorate. You're able to earn income. So what is the plan now, like moving forward? Where, where are we going with this thing, right? Instead of just, I've arrived. Yeah. And to be clear, so you're working with uh, a lot of folks that are not e- even yet out of school, correct? Yes. And that is fabulous. Because it, it seems to me as we're talking about uh, these people are coming up against a, a harsh reality. Um, boy, if you can sort of warn them that it's coming and, and build their skills up so that it's no big deal. That's you're you're really helping a lot of people. That's I mean that's yeah. Well, that's I'm, awesome. we're really excited about it because if you if you look at it, everyone keeps talking about this uh, this generational wealth transfer. You heard this time, sure. You know, oh, yeah. the baby boomers are retiring and they're all starting to of course you know move yeah. on. And this wealth transfer is going to happen. Well, there's also this huge wealth transfer in business that's occurring. You've mm-hmm. probably seen it, right? And mm-hmm. your IT consulting you. You've got, you know, owners and they're starting to age out and, you know, and then you've got the younger guys coming in, the younger gals. And, Absolutely. And so you're, you're seeing this occur. And over the next 10 years, it's going to be just a phenomenal transfer. And so we're looking at it from a two prong approach. One, you know, we're starting to do leadership workshops um, from those that are retiring, kind of this finish strong mentality. Hey, don't just plateau and just say, all right, I'm going to just, you know, wave goodbye and go into the sunset. Because, again, like there's so much more you could still do to you know, finish strong. And so we wanna equip them and get them to a place where they can go, hey, I'm gonna refuel the tank, we got one big hurrah left, you know, we're, gonna, yes. we're gonna go out strong, we're gonna go out with purpose, and then I'm gonna start a whole nother chapter, right? This is not the end, it's just a new chapter of, another, of the story. And then we're taking the younger folks and saying, because a lot of them are just scared to death of, of, of business. They're scared to death of walking into, you know, quite honestly, again, so many, they've been in that collegiate setting so long that that's become their norm. Hmm. You know, hmm. I can hear, um, I can hear sometimes 24, 25 year old uh, residents or, or students say, you know, I'm finally going to become an adult. And I'm thinking, right, I've been an adult since, you know, like I'm 16 practically in my brain, yeah, you know, as right, from right. small community. But I'm thinking, you know, not poor them, but just, oh, like, We've got some mental equipping to do for them because they're just yeah. now feeling like they're peaking into adulthood at, yes. at 26. Yeah. So we need to do a better job of getting them up to that place so that at 26, they're actually feeling really equipped to take on that business from the retiree and to move into that realm uh, to get away from these big, you know, all just corporate buyout scenarios. And, you know, I think that America's built on, well, I know it's built on small business. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's just, a, I think, a big piece that needs to be preserved, and it needs to be strengthened, and it needs to be fueled. And so those young people, they're the future. They really are. And so I, instead of just letting them haphazardly, like, step into it and fumble around, I'm thinking, 
let's just build him up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's tee it up for him. Let's tee it up for him. Let's get him into a place to, to go after this and, and go into that with that sense of purpose and drive and, and feeling like and having the knowledge base they need to really be successful, right? I'm telling you, Brian, I'm sitting here with that feeling I had the first time we met. I'm sitting here thinking it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It's a win-win for everyone, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, quite honestly, my business will probably thrive uh, because of it. Um, but that's that for me. It's an after effect. Again, life's not about money. But the bigger thing is, it's it's kind of it's connecting both sides of the equation, right? It's, yeah. It's helping uh, one generation along and the other one, bringing them up and, and matching them together, and saying, "Hey, guys, we're really all in this 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 whole life experience like one big melting pot experiment, right?" And, and we need to bring both sides along. So getting to be a conduit of that and uh, you know, a, a piece of that catalyst is exciting to me, right? And I think that's why you're excited too, is, is you start, you know, the older we get, we start seeing the, the bigger picture, you know? We, yeah, that's you got the way that I right. Am, right, absolutely. I mean, when I was a younger guy and, and again, entrepreneur, I, I still had a very short-sighted view of things, right? I was, I was kept yeah. looking at going, what, what can I do for me? And what, what do I need to get out of things? And yeah. you know, what can I accomplish? It was like me, 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 me. And uh, somewhere along the line, you start getting some sense of uh, of humility and a sense of you know greater understanding of things, right? Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and, th- and that's when we start getting excited, Tony, because yeah. we start saying, "Oh man, like we can really change things. Like yeah. we can we can do some cool things." I'll be honest with you. Uh, as much as you were talking about being excited when you met with met with me for the things I was saying, yeah, I've been getting more and more excited the more I learn about you and what you guys are doing. Uh, this podcast series alone, like it starts spurring these ideas in my head that I didn't have before. <laughs> and I was like, Tony's onto something. This is really cool. Like he's, it, you know, he's getting to interact with all these people and, and he's getting to learn and grow and share knowledge. And, and uh, it's I the always, be- it's the, it's the most fun thing I do. It's the most rewarding thing yeah. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I yeah. mean, I can't tell you, I will, we'll have to talk after the show at some oh, point. I'm going to show you all the I've equipment got, here after the show. And, and, and sh- yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge it's, I think everyone should be doing it. Yeah. Our lives yeah. are, are full of impact, right? Our, mm-hmm. our, we, that I read the other day that even the most introverted person touches 10,000 lives over the course of their lifetime, mm-hmm. right? 10,000 people are influenced by that one introverted person. Mm-hmm. So imagine mm-hmm. for someone that even has any level of extroversion to them or any level of passion and saying, I want to make a difference. Our words are powerful. So, you know, you doing this show and speaking life into others through your guests and things like You'll never understand the full impact of, and the breadth of what you're doing, but that's exciting, dude. It, thank you. Thank you very much. That very, very kind words. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think maybe that's a commonality that you and I have is um, we're um, like to help people. You know, we, it, so I think this is my little way to, I just, I love having people in, learning more about them helping spread the word, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and you're helping a lot of, a lot of doctors and, uh, veterinarians, a lot of people who've worked very, very hard, but just need, they need some gaps filled. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and you're doing it. That's awesome. My guest is Brian Wheeler. He is CEO of Legacy. Find out more at LegacyPractice.com. Uh, the phone number is 317-456-5400. Four four, um, Brian. I always like to ask my guests if I can remember. Is there a is there a business book that um, you find yourself going back to? Something you like to suggest and, and kind of share with others. 
That's a great question. Um, I, I love books. I love, you know, learning. Um, right now, I am, uh, I am just gobbling up anything and everything written by John Maxwell. Huh. Uh, his stuff is, is so good. Uh, John's, John's base premise is to add value to others every opportunity you get. I mean, yeah. that is really the core of his message. But he goes into so much depth and so much, um, uh, so much thought into how you, how you go about that. And matter of fact, uh, our leadership workshops that we're working on right now mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the Finish Strong, all of that is based on uh, John Maxwell coaching. No kidding. At the core of it, yeah. I mean, I'm uh -huh. just so compelled. I've read hundreds of business books and hundreds of leadership, and just, just I love to read. But John Maxwell is just onto something. He's onto something in the sense of, of having the, the greater, deeper purposes behind it instead of the superficial, you know, just get, getting results kind of a thing, right? Getting results. Yeah. You wanna, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna perform well, do this. John comes down and says, hey, at the end of the day, it's like you started with, it's all about relationships. Yeah, for sure. It's all about, um, you know, having real relationships and, and equipping people and uh, helping with right attitudes and right thinking and leadership. That is the core of, of all of this. Hmm. And, and I, I just, I dig it. I, I'm 100% I'm in. There is, I'll share with you, uh, there is a book that I wondered if you have read, and I'm going to ask you right now. This is the, that's the first time for a guest. I wonder if Brian's read this book. So if you've ever read uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Yes. You have. Okay. Yes. Now, so you can check my memory because it's been at least 15 years since I've read it. But I, see, I think I recall that um, <clears throat> people like doctors and lawyers and so forth have, have uh, they're pretty low on the totem pole in terms of saving uh, saving a, a portion of their of their income. Am I re remembering correctly? That's right. Do you ever share that with your clientele? Yes, I. You know, yes. <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, whether whether it's a, a physician or a dentist or a veterinarian or or even just a, a business owner or someone that's well to do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, one of the, the the key precepts is it's it's not about how much you make and and you know it's it's about what, what type of steward are you with what you have, mm -hmm. right? And so that millionaire next door is kind of taking that premise and saying, hey, you know, whether you made 100000 a year or $500,000 a year, when you establish a certain standard of living and, and you're a good steward with, and, with what you have, then you're going to do, you're going to do well. Mm. And, and again, that goes back to motivations. Are you most concerned with keeping up with the Joneses and the appearances? Because I'll be honest with you, the, the older I get, the more I realize, People don't care. <laughs> Ain't they, that the truth? They don't care about your yeah, life as yeah. much as you think they right. care about your life. <clears throat> they care when you actually get involved in their life and you have a relationship with yeah. them, you know, about you. But they don't care about your stuff so much. Right. Uh, and if they do, if that's that's the type of friendship they have, then it's probably not that deep and meaningful anyway. I hear you. Yeah. Well, excellent. Uh, Brian, it's been so awesome to have you on. I, I, uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. It's been really fun. Yeah, Tony. I love it. I appreciate it. This oh, has been great. Awesome. We'll see you next time.